122 and an 8. 122 and an 8. Terrific. Where the heck is 122 and an 8? You're standing on it, dude. Just slip it down here. This is a 10. The tab's 13. You're two minutes late, dude. Ah, come on. I couldn't find a place. Wise man say, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. This week, we're going straight back to 1990, where we were last week with Goodfellas. And we've got another organized crime film, also set in New York. Gritty. So gritty. Slightly different vehicle. Um, Well. Well, four main protagonists. Yeah. One's good. One's a bit of a hothead. Oh, super hothead. Joe Pesci, Raphael, similar. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Well, recast these. Fuck, re-cast sorry, these. jumping the gun there. Oh. <laughs> it's Ninja Turtles, the original live action. I know what that means now. Uh, <laughs> adaptation of the insanely successful comic book and cartoon and many other things franchise, the Turtles. Total Mania. Total Mania. Would you say, I think this is probably the peak of Total Mania? I think so, yeah, yeah. Did Total Mania make it to the Carney household? Big time. Same. I was a complete frother. Same. Yeah. I had a lot of merch. Yeah, I can't emphasize it enough. Um, <laughs> and oh, the figurines, right. they were actually, they were pretty cool. They were cool. They were yeah. hard to get hold of as well. Hard to get hold of. My dad lived in Singapore at that point, and I think they were easy to get there or something. I got mine from the US, yeah. The exchange rate or something made it super cheap to get these in Singapore, or maybe they were fake or something. And um, I picked up a few of these in Singapore, and I think my sister did too. So in the household, we had a pretty decent collection. Yeah. But there was always that asshole at school that had like all of them, and you're yeah. like, you're so jealous, but in hindsight, you probably you realize that kid was probably a little shit and his probably parents. Probably pretty now. unhappy now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before we get into all that. The year was 1990. My brother was born in 1990. Ah. A budget of $13.5 million, which isn't that big. For your brother. For my brother, yeah. Pretty Coincidentally, healthy. the same budget for the movie Ninja Turtles. Um, but it grossed $202 million, which was massive. Whoa, that's huge. And That's actually a lower budget than I would have guessed this. So this on. is the thing. I didn't know this. At this point, get this. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990 became the highest grossing independent film of all time. Far out. Would you have thought of it as an independent film? I would nev- That would never have occurred to me. Why is it an independent? I still don't know what that means. It basically just means it was never backed by a major studio. House. Yeah, they struggled to get it. Yeah, we can yeah, so yeah. it's very. So we're going to get into all that. But it's super interesting. And I think as we go through... The path to getting made and some of the interesting stories behind that, and even the origin of the turtles themselves, it's a very independent story. Like radioactive, the, the radioactive movie getting made waste. was scrappy. It was radioactive waste. It was, it was the origin of the turtles. That's, that's true. Mysterious ooze, I believe. The secret of the ooze. We didn't find that out till the sequel. Oh yeah, that's what you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Rotten Tomatoes score was forty percent. I think that's a little harsh. The audience score was eighty percent. A little generous. Um, somewhere in between lies the truth, I would say. <laughs> yeah, 41. <laughs> oh, I like this. Greg's not happy. <laughs> um, 1990, have we looked at 1990 before? Yeah, last week. Did we? <laughs> Goodfellas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of good movies made. So I will, we're going to fire through these. I've got them written down. I'm going to just spit off a bunch of good ones. Yes. Gremlins 2, Air America, Kidney Garden Cop, The Witches, and Arachnophobia. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Home Alone, Total Recall, Edward Scissorhands, Dance with Wolves, Misery, Die Hard 2, Robocop 2, Young Guns 2, Problem Child, It. There's a few of them. And Dick Tracy. Yeah. And Dick Tracy. <laughs> a good year. A good year. Good year for pizza. 
Man, totally. Good year for Domino's, good year for Pizza Hut. So that, that's one of my earliest memories. I distinctly remember being in the schoolyard and at the school canteen, you could get some pizza thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I in wanted a little, to, in a little open cardboard box. Yeah, and it was probably, it's just bread with cheese on it. And hurt and some pineapple. Yeah. And um, a girl at school was like, oh, you only like pizza because Ninja Turtles like pizza. And I actually had like an existential crisis of like, Maybe. do I? Yeah. Why do I? She got inside Whoa. your head. She got inside my head. And I just was always, I guess now I understand advertising and everything. I'm like, oh, I, maybe I did. I don't even know. Can't separate the two now. But I, I was in deep, man. I had yeah. the toys. Watched it on TV, obviously. Yeah. Um, I had the truck. That was the cool. That shot pizzas out. Oh, what? Yeah. The, the, pizza, the pizza truck. I obviously lost all the pizzas, so they didn't last very long. But it was pretty cool. Far out. Yeah. That is pretty cool. I, I think I saw that. this in cinema too, by the way. Did you? Probably. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I couldn't have waited for this to come out on movie. It's a big like, fucking deal. It's a huge deal. Do you used to draw them all the time with the- Yep. Yeah. And I had, I had a couple of mates who were genuinely talented artists. Right. So my two mates, Clinton and Adam, who we used to sit around just drawing these with, those guys were like phenomenal drawers, like really right. good. I was an average to- I could only draw the head. Yeah. The, but yeah. now that you mentioned it, I probably did draw the body. I, I couldn't do it now. These guys could draw them like they look, like they were phenomenal. That's cool. And I would sit there drawing them, we'd show each other, and they were really encouraging. It was kind of nice. But <laughs> 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 I'd look at mine, I'd be like... I mean, it's the kind of shit we'd draw uh, in the rainbow class, man. Yeah. And it, everyone had a different technique. So you'd draw the dome on top and the thing, and then you might do the mouth that's just that one line. Yeah. Like the... What color did you draw? Um, did you default your Raph. mask to? Raph. Yeah, man. But then sometimes Why do you, you say just like it's a given. Oh, isn't that everyone's? I think I was a Leonardo guy. Whoa. All right. It's easy. You can have that. I thought everyone was Michelangelo. No, I was Raphael, man. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was the size. I don't think he's a bit annoying in this movie. He's awful. <laughs> he's a bad guy. Good answer. Freaking. He's a real pain in the ass in this yeah. movie. He's got a real attitude. But um, be Rav, I think it was like more Joe based Pesci. on the cartoon. Yeah, man. The beautiful thing with that movie is you could redub it pretty easily. <laughs> you could because there's no lip movie. Release the Pesci cut. Release the Pesci cut. Wow, how am I a total how? <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Isn't that? That's good. <laughs> um, what was I saying? I don't know. I'd always draw red. Oh, even at a work Christmas party recently, we went as Ninja Turtles. It wasn't that recent. It was probably... Five years, six, seven, eight years ago. Is this the one where Carol went as Yeah, up? yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're all arguing over everyone wanted to be Raphael. Really? I ended up being Leonardo because I was being nice. Everyone so was... you could have fit in that group very easily. One of my mate's kids, uh, he was telling me his kid's mad for Raphael. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah, I thought it was the standard, yeah. In, I think I would like Michelangelo now. Yeah, same. He's a party dude. Yeah. I don't think it's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the interesting thing about the movie was I remember I was thinking about this trading cards. I think I had the trading cards before I saw the movie because, and I think this happened on a few things like Ghostbusters and a couple other movies. And you'd try and understand what was just through the cards. Yeah. Because I think movies came out significantly later here then. They did. Because there was no internet. There's no fear of piracy, I guess. So they just waited for the right time. And so we'd get the cards and like, you try and, oh, so I wonder what's happening here. And because it was so dark and gritty, you're like, what is happening here? He's got a toothpick in his mouth. Like, this looks serious. And then I think when I saw it on screen, it felt iconic already because mm. I'm like seeing these things that were like, it's really they're already real. positioned as like iconic frames because I had them on a card. So it all felt pretty special. I had the skateboard. I had the Game Boy game. Oh, I used to play in the sewers. I had the nin- <laughs> <laughs> Can we come back to that? I had the nin- well, I didn't have it. My mate, he had the Nintendo game, right? On I heard ri- that was really good on yeah. the original Nintendo. It and you play as a team, right? Epic. It's like uh, it was like oh no, that's the arcade machine. Uh, that was okay. also epic. that was cool. It was one of the original four players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like Double Dragon style. Yeah, Just and I had a big up. like sort of bent playing platform, like it sort of went off to the sides to accommodate the four. Oh, that's sets. sick. And you could get on skateboards and yeah. It's good, man. It you get pizza good. to give you a bit more energy. That's cool. But the original, like just the Nintendo game. Like yeah, I heard that was good. 2D one. Yeah. Like, that, was, that was awesome. It was really quite hard. Yeah, the Game Boy one was pretty good too. Um, but yeah, I used to play in the sewer as well. 
I think I mentioned before we used to go looking for it. I think what I um because I live in the middle of Ride, but there was this big storm drain. Storm drain, yeah. And we'd go in there, and I'd call. I'd go. We'd go deep in there to the point where I'm in where the clown is in it, and I'd yell at people from the. It was scary. I, th- I don't know when that was. That must have been years later. It was like 2004. I think I was, yeah, it was like 2014, did you say? Yeah, yeah. that was probably accurate. No, I think I would yell out just to fuck with people. Didn't they tell Ninja us Turtle not to play in storm drains? I just oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you shouldn't go in there. Yeah. It's dangerous. You want a balloon? They float. They float um, too. Quick, quick one while I think of it because it's not in my notes. Do you know there's a pretty serious omission from this movie? There's no Kang. Yeah, that's true. Get me back to attack the bomb. I think he was in one of the new Michael Bay ones. He should be. Yeah, I think he was in the second Michael Bay one. Did you watch those, the new ones? No. I watched them. They're not as bad as I was expecting. They're not. They're okay. The one thing, speaking of memory and recessive memories. Ooh. So I don't order Domino's. Often, I reckon I could. Yeah. I probably ordered it twice in the last five years or something. Yeah. And before watching this, I was saying to Carol, I was like, oh, I feel like Domino's. Do you want Domino's? And she was like, no, I don't. Whoa. And I ordered it anyway, just for me. To watch this. And then the night we are watching it, and then we are watching Whoa. it. And sitting there with my pizza on the couch, which I was pretty excited about. To, uh, to be clear, it was, it was a delight. Yeah. Nostalgia-packed meal in itself. Yeah. And sure enough, then the product placement comes roaring into this film and there's the Domino's guys dropping off the pizza and I'm there eating my Domino's. Wow. That is – that's interesting because I had misattributed it to Pizza Hut, I think. Well, not misattributed because apparently – Yeah, it's confusing. It is confusing. Why are they both all over this movie? If you if you bought the VHS of this movie, there would be a Pizza Hut ad on the VHS. But then in the movie, it's Domino's. Yes, yeah, they got the in in program so content. Weird. Domino's. And I then guess it's they had to grow the category. Just fucking pizza. <laughs> Everyone works. Yeah. So yeah. I'm pretty sure I didn't know too much about pizza before the Domino before the Domino's. Well, again, <laughs> go back to my yeah my crisis of like, oh, why do I like pizza? Is it because of these guys? Now I mean, pretty, pizza's great. Now, I mean, now I, I'm clear. It's yeah. just because it's fucking delicious. Yeah, yeah. But as a kid, it's like, why do you like anything? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. The TV told me to. Yeah, the TV told me to. Um, should I get into the backstory? Uh, please. How, I'm going to go back to 1984. Um, there were two fellas, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Um, they created the Turtles in comic book form. It's pretty fucking cool. I'd always I'd seen a few, like, Images comics. of some of the comics of them. I'd never read them. I, I read it for this, though. And um, I thought they looked pretty cool. It was like dark and gritty. But it's a fucking cool story. So Kevin Eastman was an artist, and I think it was sort of, I'm not going to say in the middle of nowhere America, but kind of. Um, Buttfuck Idaho? I was going to say <laughs> I was going to say Buttfuck Nowhere, but it's probably not fair. But it might have even been Idaho. I don't know. Somewhere. And he wanted to get into comics. He was an artist. He applied for a job at a local paper. And strangely, they said, no, we don't have a job. But you know what? You should meet this guy. And this guy was Peter Laird. And he was another artist. And they hit it off. They started jamming. They moved in together. And then one day, as a joke, one of them drew a turtle. They they both love Kung Fu movies. They love Bruce Lee. And one guy, I think it was Kevin Eastman first, drew a turtle with a the the mask on the mask we know now and nunchaku's sticky tape to the back of his hands and it was just a joke that like would that be funny like Bruce Lee is the fastest thing in the world and it's a turtle it's slow haha <laughs> and then the other one then built on that and drew four of them Whoa. and they all had a good laugh and like ha ah, that's funny and then they were like ah well let's create a backstory. Peter and I came up with the Ninja Turtles, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in a lot of ways out of a love of comics and out of some silliness. So late one night after watching some bad TV, um, feeling really silly, I did this drawing of a turtle with uh, a mask on and nunchucks strapped to his arms to make Peter laugh. So then I had to do my own version of it and change a few things, tweaked it a little bit and threw it back at Kevin, kind of dueling sketches and ended up Kevin drew a, made a drawing of four turtles, each with a different martial arts weapon. And uh, in pencil, which I inked and added to his Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant. So then we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was the beginning of it. 
I want to stress that we were laughing to, uh, to, to kill ourselves at the yeah. time, sort of chuck the drawing aside. And uh, the next morning we get up and uh, um, looked at the drawing again and said, geez, we should really come up with a story to tell how they got to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And that's when we started on the first issue. So they were like, oh, this is kind of interesting. What would their story be? If we had to tell their story, what would their story be? And they kind of got excited. And so they, these guys weren't yet getting paid to do anything in this world. Yeah, they were working people. in restaurants and whatever. This was just for fun. A bit like a couple of podcasters. Yeah. So with, they, with they, talent. They, they with talent. The, they had just done their tax returns. They had a few hundred bucks. They borrowed another grand from one of their uncles. And they used that to publish a comic book, which was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, designed as a one single standalone story. They had a little bit of money left over to put an ad out in an industry magazine. They printed 3,000 copies. It was a bit of, I think it was a slow start, but eventually it sold out. Wow. Um, and so they printed 6,000 more, sold out. So it kind of started as a joke, but then it really started to grow. What's really cool is that it started as a bit of a pastiche and like referential to all the comics they love. So they were big into Frank Miller. So he's the guy that yeah. did Sin City, Dark Knight, Sin City. So Nolan's Batman is very much Frank Miller's Batman. Three yeah. um, hundred, yeah, three hundred. And he at in in this period he'd done a lot of Daredevil. I think he was pretty key to Daredevil's story, I guess. Okay, and. They wrote this story in such a way, without naming it, they linked the Turtles' origin story to Daredevil's origin story. So in Daredevil's origin story, I think he saves someone from getting hit by a car and some kind of mysterious goo substance ooze. goes in his ooze, goes in his eyes and he becomes blind but also gets those powers. That container hits the ground, <laughs> lands on some turtles, and that's how the turtles get their powers. Ah. So they literally have panels of this in the comic showing this. And so any comic book fan realizes, oh, that's Matt Murdock, that's Daredevil, and they have the same origin story. But further than that, the the bad kind of ninja crew in Daredevil is called the Hand, and this it's the foot. <laughs> and um, the guy that trains Daredevil's name is uh, the Stick, and in this you got Splinter. So there's all these like kind of <laughs> cool. They're just having fun with it, but it's just fucking cool. I yeah. love that. Um, and then. When it came to naming them, they were going to give them Japanese names, but couldn't come up with any good ones. <laughs> so they were like <laughs> going through. They couldn't a, spend five minutes trying to find. Four well, this is pre-internet. Names. I think they didn't want it to sound cliche or something. So they and so they were like, "Well, actually, it would be funny if we just gave them Renaissance." I think they had a book in their apartment, and they gave them Renaissance painters' names. So that's pretty fucking cool. It's that's black hilarious. and white. And when they did eventually do color, because they'll do color covers sometimes, they all had red. So the only differentiator was the weapons. And I think over time they started to establish their own personalities as we start to know them now. But um, there was no pizza, no skateboards. It was pretty dark. It was actually like, yeah, pretty dark. It stayed no independent too. They kept publishing it themselves and doing orders from their apartment. Um, in fact, they, their name became Mirage Studios because they didn't have a studio. There was just a Mirage. It was just a bit nice. like our podcast studio. But they kept publishing it in that way and it just became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And... I found, uh, I went back and read it. I, so I read the first two issues and they were pretty good. It was pretty fucking dark. Basically, they were literally, their mission was to go kill Shredder. And re- yeah, that's and, right. And, and seek revenge on him having killed Splinter's, Splinter's master. master. Like it was as explicit as that. Go kill that fucking guy. So it's not as rosy. They're assassins. Basically, the whole purpose, he's been training them for this purpose. The time has come. Go kill that fucker. Like that's what it was. So that was that was pretty fucking badass. So how do we get from there to the cartoon? Yes. Yeah, so eventually, Hollywood types kept coming. Come on, I can make you money. I can make you money. I can make you money. And eventually, a guy came to them with an idea to partner with a toy manufacturer, Playmate Toys. Yeah. And they said, "We want to make your toys. This sounds interesting, but we don't think a comic book alone is going to." Um, drive enough demand yeah. mm-hmm. so we'll get on board if we if you'll let us make a cartoon yeah and then um i think we know what happened there <laughs> yeah
such nostalgia. Such nostalgia. through my veins right now. But it was a bit too dark for kids' TV. Playmate Toys, they had a target audience of kids four to eight or some shit. And like, you know what? It's a bit dark. Let's uh, let's lighten things up a bit. Maybe they like pizza. Maybe they say kawabunga. Why don't we make the Foot Clan robots so it's not so violent, you know? Destroying robots is different to stabbing a human with a sigh. Oh, are they robots in the cartoon? I yeah. Remember. I remember the video game because they would explode when you fought them. Um, let's give them different colors and put their initials on their belt buckle. What about um, Rocksteady and Bebop? They were made explicitly just for the cartoon. They didn't exist in the comics, apparently. So Eastman and Laird approved it and kind of signed off the animated rights to this group. So they didn't love it. I think ultimately they came at peace with it. The way they looked at it was, all right, we're making some cash over here. Kids are loving it. We still, we still get to tell the stories we want to tell through the comics. So the comic was still going. The comic was still successful. That was kind of their world. So they were fine. But the cartoon... Uh, that's obviously, I guess, where we uh-huh. got involved. It's just weird that it even exists. When you think, like, it didn't seem weird as a kid. It's fucking weird. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Our parents must have just thought, like, what the fuck? They just go. And then in hindsight, there were so many TV shows after this that I guess were sparked by this. Remember there was, like, Biker Mice from Mars. And there was something with sharks wearing jeans. <laughs> like, there was all just all these, like, Animals. animal plus martial art technique. <laughs> And Power you know, Rangers. yeah, um, there was one little tidbit here that I think we both discovered around the same time about 12 years ago or so. We found out the voice of the Shredder is the voice of Uncle Phil, yeah, remember that in Fresh Prince in Bel Air. Crazy, let's do a side by side comparison. You two have pulled some pranks in your day, but this one. This one takes the cake. <laughs> He's about to blow, man. So, you've come at last, Tomato Yoshi. Here I am, but am I here or here? <laughs> I could be anywhere. R.I.P. Uncle Phil. R.I.P. Uncle Phil. Think about Phil. you every day. I've got a shirt that says that on the back. But guess what happens next? A movie gets made. <clears throat> but not in the way you might think. So I just kind of assumed that there was some powerful studio behind all of this. I didn't at the time I wasn't aware of the comic. I knew there was a cartoon. I thought this would be the same as I don't know, a Simpsons movie one? getting made yeah. or a Power Rangers movie getting made. It's just the same people and they're no, different people. So all of this catches the eye of this random guy, fucking random guy, Gary Proper. Have you heard of this guy? Gary no. who? Gary Proper. No. You wouldn't have because you can't. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. He's an ex-pro surfer who had a second career in as an entertainment promoter. He managed a lot of comedians. Good on you, Gary. But he seemed like Top Gun actor. Damn it, Gary. Was he a Top Gun actor? He's a Top Gun actor. He just caught wind of this whole thing. I think primarily the comics, and was like, "We've got to make a fucking movie out of this." Did I imagine he said? Are you sure it's not Gary Busey? You're describing Gary Busey to me. Am I? Other than the word Gary, am I really? He was a surfer. <laughs> was he? You got a picture here, guys. Turtles. turtles. <laughs> Give me four. Four, four turtles. Cowbunker. <laughs> you sound like Batman. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought I heard, you know what I thought I heard? Beetlejuice. That's what I was sounding like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that was, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> got to get better at recognizing your accidental, <laughs> wrong, your accidental impressions. impressions. <laughs> All right, so he partnered with Kim Dawson, who was this dude he worked with on Showtime specials. They brought in a guy, Bobby Herbeck, to write the script. So these are all pretty random. It's a ragtag team. This is an indie film. These are random dudes. That, so that crew together optioned the rights from the comic book guys. So the cartoon guys only had the animated rights. So these guys bought the movie rights from the comic book guys. For what price? Do we know? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was a lot of money. Um, but they basically then went around and shopped it to every major studio and they turned it down. I think the logic at the time was as they were shopping this around, this was still probably 87, 88. So Batman hadn't come out yet. And so common sense was, uh, comic book movies, nah, fucking poison. Don't touch them. Cause they had the last of a movie tanked. And then there was Howard the Duck and that was about it. So they, they couldn't sell this fucking thing. However, Bobby Herbeck, who they had writing it, 
was actually working with Golden Harvest at the time on a project. And he was like, you know what? This might be up their alley. So that was, so on the rewatch. Yeah. Very, you see it in the credit in the opening. Yeah, yeah. And I know their credit logo. I did not, yes. Intimately well as a big uh, martial arts movie fan. So Golden Harvest, founded by a guy called Raymond Chow, is basically he's widely credited as, as the guy who introduced the world to Bruce Lee and, and Jackie Chan, actually. So um, he only died like a year or so ago. He made it to his 90s. He was basically a legendary Hong Kong um film producer yeah so they they produced heaps of bruce lee's early work so when bruce lee couldn't get wasn't getting his break in america he went back to hong kong and did a bunch of his movies from there and uh, golden harvest and then jackie a lot of jackie chan's early movies as well so he's a massive big deal basically so i was so good it almost gave this a, like on the rewatch it <laughs> gave it a good like it gave it a cred i reckon it me. does and it also gives a little bit of of a different lens in watching the movie, yeah. like, is it a kung fu? It's a martial arts movie in a way, kind of, right? Uh, I always thought it was. I mean, I, I mean, it is because they're fighting, but I guess when you think of it as the guys that make martial arts movies made this yeah. versus like Michael Bay, you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like they're actually doing performing martial arts. Yeah, and it's pretty pretty good considering they're wearing outrageous prosthetics. That's what I was thinking. I was like, fuck. That holds up, I reckon. It, I'm it, getting jumping ahead, but that holds yeah, up. They're I was, moving. I was impressed. Yeah. Um, they're yeah, no so, Jet Li, but they're in giant turtle costumes. Yeah. It's crazy. So, yeah, so they, um, so Tom Gray was the head of production at Golden Harvest at the time, and he was very dismissive at first, and he was like, oh, wait a second. These are guys in suits. We can just get our Chinese stuntmen in these suits and shoot this whole fucking thing in Hong Kong for super cheap. So I think I don't think that's what they ended up doing, but that's how it initially got greenlit, and they mm. got three million dollar budget approved, and like, okay, we're making this thing, we're making the picture. Three million. Yeah, it obviously escalated from there. But the writer Herbeck, he went and spent eight weeks with Eastman and Laird, the comic book guys, to get their blessing on how he was thinking about the story. So eight weeks is a long time. They were being very particular about it, which is probably the, the right thing. And they eventually approved his direction of where he wanted to take the story. At that point, they appointed a director, Steve Barron, at that point most well-known for Billie Jean. <laughs> um, he also did Aha's Take on Me. Yeah. So he's got a visual style, and I think we see that in the movie. There's some interesting, nice visual style to mm. it, I think. Um, but he was a massive fan of the comics. He was like, yeah, let's fucking bring the comic to life. I mean, at this point, there were kind of two worlds that were sort of reconciling. There's the, there's the cartoon and there's the comics. He was very much of the comics. At that point, the script got reworked more to be less, too many cheesy one-liners and more, I guess, maybe not darker, grittier, but just reworked. Yeah. Um, and he had previously worked with Jim Henson and was like, if we're going to do this right, we need Jim Henson. Correct. We've talked a lot about Jim Henson before. So if you if you want to hear us, Go deep on him. Go listen to our uh, Labyrinth, Labyrinth episode. We will cover it in the context of this film, but we do a little wrap-up of his history. But um, at this point, they're already blowing their budget. They want Jim Henson. Can they afford him? They've already doubled their budget to six mil without Henson. They eventually get him, and it's actually the first and only time he's put his name, the Jim Henson Company, on an external project. Yeah. So I think Labyrinth was his project. You know, like these are all his projects. So it's the first time they've gone beyond their own world into these new um, areas, which is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. We'll get a bit more into some of that stuff later around the special effects. But the casting one on this is tricky because technically there were three or four people for each character. <laughs> yeah. So for the purpose of this, I'll just I'll just go through some of the uh, the voice cast. Um, so Leonardo was Brian Tochi. He's the Asian dude in Revenge of the Nerds. Donatello was Corey Feldman. Uh-huh. Um, Raphael was Josh Pay. He was also the in-suit performer, which was unusual. He's the only. Only yeah. double. Yeah, only double. And Michelangelo was Robert Rist. Now, you're probably thinking, who's Robert Rist? I am. I think you know who Robert Rist is. He was, you know, on the Brady Bunch, like the last season, their cousin shows up and he's just the character now, <laughs> Oliver or something. Like, like Roy? <laughs> yeah, it's like Roy. Yeah, it is like Roy. Roy. <laughs> he... The, the random kid from fucking Brady Bunch played Michelangelo. <laughs> you may not recognize his name, but the face is unforgettable. 
Robbie Rist was the cute kid who joined the Brady Bunch at the end of the series and had more than 100 guest-starring TV roles. But once his looks began to change, Robbie's smile was replaced by serious depression. For a while there, it was kind of a drag because, you know, I was, I don't know, 23 or 24, and I'm going, man, was that it? You know, did the only thing that I'm ever going to be known for happen when I was nine and I wasn't even aware of it? In 1990, Robbie provided the voice of Michelangelo in the hit film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, though it didn't jumpstart his career. It definitely looks good on the resume, you know. People go, oh, you're in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But I don't think anybody necessarily watched that movie and went, get me that guy! So it's, uh, this is obviously an audio format, but we'll post some of that on Insta. But you would not picture that as Michelangelo. It's pretty good as Michelangelo, though, too, right? Pizza Dude's got 30 second decent performance, as far as this movie goes. Yeah. I never pictured him looking like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On drugs. (laughs) Oh, yeah. To clarify... What I mean there is that was the voice cast. So the guys in the suits are not the guys you're hearing except for Raphael. Wow. Yeah. So they would have a person in the suit doing the physical actions. They would have a voice actor doing the voice in post. And they would have puppeteers controlling the mouth and the eyes. Yeah. All in sync. The um, They all got cameos. The body guys got cameos. So Leonardo was one of the gang members. Michelangelo was the Domino's guy. Ah. Yeah. Donatello was the a messenger of the foot. And Raphael was a passenger in the taxi. But who was Splinter? Elmo. 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 He was Splinter. So he was also... A pedophile. Well, that was I think that was disproven. Ah, I take that back. Kevin Clash. And as we mentioned, he was in Labyrinth as well. So he's a staple in the... Um, in the old Henson shop. Yeah. I um, prefer Elmo's voice to Splinter's. Yeah. I wasn't down with Splinter's voice. Actually, if you had told me the Cookie Monster was Splinter, I would have believed you more than Maybe he Elmo. does. Maybe he does Cookie Monster as well. Let's get our intern onto that. Jesse? <laughs> His name changes every time. <laughs> Frank Oz. So right. Frank Oz does Cookie Monster. He's also Yoda. Is he? Yeah. All right, and in other human casting, April O'Neil was Judith Hogue, and Casey Jones was Elias Cotiest, which now, watching it now, I recognize him in present day from something. I don't know what. I couldn't place him. And he hasn't aged well. Well, that's not fair. He's just old does now. He look, does he just look like De Niro's brother? Kinda. Yeah, kinda. He's just old, to be fair. But I think he's actually pretty good in this. Um, so that was a quite a long origin story there, but I, I think it's interesting to see it's kind of random... Origins, because it is kind of a weird fucking idea. Yeah. And I like the independent spirit of it all, maybe aside from the cartoon, but the movie, you can kind of see the hustle involved in getting this thing made. It wasn't just a bunch of experienced studio people. It's just like people, it's a passion project, man. Yeah, it's awesome. It's fucking cool. Should we get into it? Should we play the trailer? Yeah. Our family grows. The city itself will be our playground to you. As we please, rewarding ourselves and punishing our enemies. We've been looking for you, Miss O'Neill. There is a new enemy, freaks of nature. Together, we will punish these creatures. What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat. Awesome! What did you think, Greg? Uh, I didn't love it. Yeah, I had the same. Yeah, I really wanted to. Yeah, and I was parts excited of it, I, to watch it. Parts of it, I. It's almost really good, but it's not. Yeah, I think I enjoyed the earlier parts. Yeah, I, there's there's certain yeah. shots in there that I think are just fucking cool. 
Yeah. Like when he's waiting for the pizza and he's got a toothpick and he's like, pizza dude's got 30 seconds. Yeah. And just... I was enjoying eating my pepperoni. Yeah. <laughs> New York size pizza at that point. I like... I mean, ultimately, I enjoy the weirdness of it all. It's weird that this movie exists. Again, mm. you knowing the backstory now and watching it, you go, like, okay, this is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it's so dark, but it's fucking... It was very turtles. Dark. It was very dark. That was the. I was trying to watch it. Yeah, uh, I think part I watched part of it during the day, and the screen was so dark. I oh, so what, like literally just dark. I couldn't yeah. see what was going on. Like yeah, no, like treatment dark. Well, yeah, and it's sort of this. This is one of the parts I like about it. The charm of it is it's sort of this very specific version of New York that's almost in like Ghostbusters New York or like even Batman New York a little bit. Batman eighty nine. Well, this is. That's interesting because when I was I was watching it with Carol and she, almost even like Taxi Driver New York, like it's that kind it of is, it's bad New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Carol made a comment early. She was like, "This is silly because New York's not that violent. Why they made New York?" This but it was then. Crime scene? I'm I mean, like, well, it was then, right? Like, yeah. the, you look at the crime stats of the era, right? And the '80s were bad in New York, right? Even, even the '90s, and yeah, the sort of first half. Like of the Times 90s. Square was not what Times Square is now. Times Square yeah. is now is just a fucking theme park almost. Like, yeah, something like fifth of the crime rate of. Yeah, because there's, the, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that Giuliani did. The um, there's some behavioral science to it. So basically, you know how the subway, you see all those great photos of the subway in the '70s with all the graffiti and stuff. Yeah, and warriors. Remember the warriors? Yeah, the warriors. Gangs. And I think it was Giuliani that basically cleaned all that up. And there's some kind of behavioral economics around it where it's like if you see it, less symbol of crime being okay, crime drops. That's part of it. Mm. Um, and then there's also, oh, this is a fucking random one. You just made me think of it. Have you ever read Freakonomics? I have, yeah. There's basically that one about the correlation between when abortion became legal and crime rates dropping in the US. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's basically like, I don't know what it was, it's 70s or something. And then like all those people that may have grown up to be criminals weren't weren't born, born. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's heavy. yeah it's heavy not not the turn i wanted to take on this one but then there's even like if you google like um new york before and after bloomberg so he was the mayor for i think two terms or so yeah. there's like Times square before and after bloomberg and like it wasn't that it was super dark and gritty but it shows how much it's transformed just in that space so imagine how much it's transformed from fucking 1990 apparently um ptsd like war vets from i think it must have been vietnam korea both those wars had a big impact on the crime rate because guys were coming back from the war ah, kind of out of their head and committing a lot of crime. That's interesting. Uh, Poor vets don't get a lot of... A uh, lot of love. They kind of just... Uh, so apparently that was a little trigger as well, or a little cause, I should say. Um, but that was one of the parts I liked, the vibe of New York like that. Yeah. Um, I thought the puppetry was good, like we were saying before, Greg. The martial arts in those suits... They managed the fact that they managed to pull those off, like yeah. pretty fucking good, man. Yeah, it got a little bit pantomimey in some bits, but I guess that was because that one person's acting only physically. They're probably maybe acting too much in certain bits. Mm. The origin story was closer to the comic book than the cartoon. I thought Casey Jones was pretty good. Yeah, because he 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 was a later entrant into the cartoon, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he was in the comic. I'm not sure when he came along, but he was in I there. I think he probably added a pretty good, another human to the yeah. mix was probably the, yeah. the value as well. Yeah. But yeah, I just kept thinking, what a weird movie. It's just so odd that it exists. And I had a similar reaction to you in that I was, like I was saying, it's almost good, but it's not really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nostalgia is 100% there. I yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. enjoyed it on a nostalgic level. But I'm like, I think there's something else besides nostalgia. And I'm like, what is it? I think there's some kind of magic in it, but I don't know what it is. And I, I think part of it. of Jim Henson. Yeah, it might be the Jim Henson stuff, to be honest. It might be some of the New York stuff. Like some of the shots, again, that I liked. Pizza Dude's got 30 seconds. Raphael on the rooftop being all moody, angry, fighting the doing, air. Right, doing these <laughs> little air cartwheels. That was like real, like uh, Footloose. <laughs> footloose. <laughs> <laughs> angry dancing. Uh, but then Billy Elliot Billy Elliot was there's parts that uh, yeah like Billy Elliot there's parts that feel iconic in my brain but I'm not sure if it's that trading card thing I referred to before or what Raphael lying in the bathtub passed out and there's like so many things in the in the movie where I'm like if they feel iconic to me I don't know what it is yeah. or they're just cool shots like this is a music video guy so maybe it's that 
Yeah. There's just some fucking cool shots. Probably a bit of both. Yeah. Because they are visually appealing, but more so that they're attached to 10-year-old Tristan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think as an adult now, though, I'm appreciating the absurdity of the darkness of a ninja turtle. <laughs> you know what I mean? The backstory explanation from Splinter is ridiculous. Yeah, 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 I yeah. I copied my master's moves and he's a rat in a cage. Well, that's basically, in, that's in the comics too. But again, remembering that first issue was really kind of tongue-in-cheek. But in the in the comic, it was more hardcore. So he he did learn it from his master. He was in Japan. His master was also in the Foot Clan. I don't think they were bad there, though. His mate and him fell in love with the same girl. His mate was super jealous and in a jealous rage, like, hit her. And Splinter's master saw that and murdered him. And Aggressive. Yeah, they fled to New York together, Splinter, his owner, and the woman. And then the guy they murdered's brother... Shredder. ...was Shredder, found them, murdered them, and Splinter also got the ooze and whatever. Wanted to murder him back. But it was straight up so much murder. <laughs> so dark. Gritty. Um, I'll tell you who's a real asshole. That Danny. Jerk kid. What a real fucking asshole. He's just a little jerk Little kid. shit. You know what was a delight? Sam Rockwell. That was a nice surprise. A nice little surprise. Sam Rockwell in this movie. Yeah. Okay, so that whole hideout. Man, that's like Neverland. Not not Michael Jackson Neverland. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it is. But that's like that's some Lost Boys shit. It that is. was fucking cool. Again, that kind of thing probably wouldn't get made now. That was presented as kind of cool and there's kids smoking and drinking beers yeah. and gambling and like yeah. and the skate ramp thing. That's so fucking that's cool. So cool. I thought that was the fucking coolest thing ever. And video game, but they combined video games and skating, all the cool shit. Yeah, so cool. What are you doing? Do you want to do plot? Oh, yeah, let's jump into plot. All right. So, obviously based on true events, as we've discussed, of the early 90s, um, <laughs> we've got a newsreader presenter voicing over the opening scenes, and she's talking us to the current crime wave that's sweeping the city of New York. Um, that's overlaid with numerous stealthy thefts that we've talked about happening across town air conditioning units, all kinds of wallets. <laughs> um, sure enough, that news re- reporter is April O'Neil, and then she falls prey to Muggers herself, but she's rescued by an unseen vigilante who single-handedly subdues the attackers, ties them up, um, then ducks down the sewer. You see. I lost a sigh. Oh, oh that's good. <laughs> and he loses one of his weapons, a sigh. Uh, we then cut to the Ninja Turtles as a group, and they're all pretty annoying. I've decided pretty quickly. They're like, really? Radical. I was like, oh, you guys are annoying me. It was just my mood. What was the one they said? Like, Bossa Nova. Bossa Nova. (laughs) I was delighting at all those. Yeah, right. Yeah. I wasn't. I mean, I was acknowledging that it was not good, but I was like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, They then return to their mentor slash father figure that is a human-sized rat (laughs) named Splinter. And they have a bit of back and forth banter. He's like the wise dad. They're the annoying shit. We then get a sense of who's who in the clan. So yeah. we've got Raphael. He's the bitchy whinger. We've got Michelangelo, <laughs> I think is the likable one. Leonardo yeah. is like probably the goody two shoes. And Donatello, I guess, is the boring one. Is the genius. Okay, here's one thing with Ninja Turtles that I think is weird. Because Donatello is the inventor one. But wouldn't you name the inventor Leonardo? one Leonardo? Yeah. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci is a crazy inventor guy. I don't know much about Donatello, but I don't think he did. He was a painter, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, they're all painters, but they're well, not. Primarily. But, yeah. I don't think any of the other guys did da Vinci levels of invention, right? So Leonardo should have been yeah, the inventor guy. I'll leave that there. So then Raphael has a little, little bitch out again. He's a bit moody, this one. And he leaves in his assimilation outfit so he can cruise around town, which yeah, is... Yeah, very low-key. Very low-key. It's a camel trench. I think even as a kid, I thought that was weird. And a hat. He's very on edge the whole time. And you can't even say... You can't say a word to this guy. Well, apparently... So that was the one body actor who also did the voice. And he said that he used... It was torture, these guys wearing these suits. They would lose five pounds in an hour of sweat. And so it was the most uncomfortable, torturous thing ever. And he's like, I used it in character. <laughs> so you're probably just hearing him complain about the suit. Yeah, the suit. And then here, I know you're hot, but just put a trench on. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. 
Poor guy. Well, I got a bit of sympathy for him, I guess. So he's got his gear on. He's going to see a movie because that won't be creepy. <laughs> um, and it does look this. The outfit does little to hide the fact that he's a giant turtle. <laughs> does nothing. With a little red mask. Isn't that just a turtle eyes. in a hat? <laughs> so then to further cement his jerk status, Raphael stumbles across a fellow vigilante kicking ass with some crime committers. Because, yeah, Raphael's like, hey, stop beating him up. And he's like, they're bad guys and I'm, I'm a good guy. Yeah. I'm giving him a vigilante lesson. And then quirky music starts playing. Yeah, <clears throat> he's like, like, like he's some sort of better vigilante. He can call shots on who's a vigilante now and who's not. Yeah. Not like that, you don't. Not from you. <laughs> not not into him, eh? Yeah. Uh, really? I'm just surprised that everyone likes him. I don't think it's from the movie. I think he is more annoying in the movie than in cartoons. So then, uh, then we're better introduced to April. So she's having a chat with her boss. We get introduced to a delin- the, her boss's delinquent son, Danny, who is, turns out to be one of the Foot Clan sort of apprentices, I guess, in, in that aforementioned Neverland lair. No pedo. <laughs> and what we learn is that April is close, is dangerously close to what's behind the rise in crime, pointing to a Japanese outfit called the Foot Clan. So she seems to be like tapping into what's going on. So we learn then that along with being a jerk, Raphael's also a creep. So he started following April around in his weird outfit. Um, but it was quite timely because he follows her to uh, the subway and she's getting confronted by the Foot Clan. So the Foot Clan cottons onto her. And basically delivers her a shut up message, which is awesome. Yeah. This is a visual Yeah, that was pretty – I didn't expect that. It's so good. (laughs) I have a message for you, Miss O'Neill. And they're all standing there, you know, a whole heap of them in the subway and she's by herself. And he opens up his palm in front of her face as though he's presenting her something from his palm and then just goes, boop, and slaps her across the face. Shut your mouth. (laughs) Shut your mouth. I was not expecting that. It was hilarious. It's like, what? It was so funny. Again, it's like, what is this movie? This movie exists. I want to do that to someone. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Anyway, look, they were just politely giving a little face slap saying, you know, you're treading in deep water, go away. And she fights back. She carries on. Raphael comes down with his one sigh. She gets knocked (laughs) out somehow. And then he yeah. kept, runs off and takes her, conscious ass, down to the sewer to the lair. Bet someone can just follow them. I thought that was pretty sloppy on his part. It was terrible. For a ninja, you're not supposed to be seen. You can't be dragging people back to the lair. Yeah. And then when he got questioned about it, he goes, what do you want me to do? You think I'm decorating the joint? A couple of new throws, a news reporter. <laughs> you know, like he's so defensive. Fuck. He's just a shit. <laughs> anyway, she wakes up. <laughs> realizes she's in the sewer with some radioactive ninja turtles and a talking giant rat. <laughs> and then Splinter makes it all cool by giving her the backstory. No, no, yeah. it's fine. We're in Japan and I <laughs> I'm a ninja rat. Makes sense now. <laughs> and my boss was my my master was killed and then I came here and caught the ooze off these turtles and so I put she, him in a coffee can. He cleared it all up. <laughs> so yeah, then we see the delinquent kid Danny, and he's hanging out in this amazing lair. And we kind of get the Foot Clan is recruiting young teens through all this awesomeness and then, then getting turning them into the foot, turning them into soldiers basically to rob everyone. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. It's the Artful Dodger type scenario, uh, isn't it? You know, Oliver, you know, when he gets the. Oh, uh, yeah. But then you, I like that it's you classic, graduate. It's Dickensian. <laughs> it's Dickensian. I think yeah, Turtles, Dickens. What has been said. <laughs> About Dickens that can't be said about the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I mean, aside from a lot of it, you know. From here on in, it's kind of like a bit of a classic uh, good versus evil construct. Yeah. Turtles. uh, Splinter gets kidnapped by Shredder and co. Turtles are going to try to rescue him. Danny Danny is the one in the middle sort of balancing the line between good and evil. Yeah. Wanting to help the Turtles, knowing he's a Foot Clan guy. Yeah. Couple of fights. Ipso facto, that's the movie. They kill the shredder. That's basically the story of the first issue too. Not yeah. everything in between, but And no Kang. What uh get me back to the technotron. <laughs> Bowie? This is how this is how Kang talks. 
Don't waste time. Your forces are depleted. The turtles are on their way. Install the chip now. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's definitely benefits with some nostalgic goggles. Yeah. I think the Hanson stuff is legitimately good, man. Like, yeah, this did. is pretty technically impressive. He said it was the best stuff he's ever, like, he said it was the most advanced stuff he's ever worked on. And it was the last thing he worked on. It must have been, he right? He died in 1990, in 90, yeah. He died in 90, so. I mean, I mentioned before, there were three to four people as each turtle. So you'd have the body actor, you would have, as the body actors acting the body, moving the head, moving the arms, they would have someone off camera with, Two hands. One hand is basically doing a mouth movement, like a puppet, and the other one's doing eyes or something. And they're doing that in sync. So these guys train together for a fucking long time. Six months. So they had months of training together to get in sync with all that shit. Because when you think of, about that and you look at it... Yeah, it's pretty legit. Like some of that stuff is dated with the mouth movements and stuff. But thinking about how many people were involved in bringing that to life, I buy into it. As you're watching it, you do suspend your disbelief of like, yeah, there's a... Talking turtles, like you kind of get on board, right? So they're doing something, mm. right? Fucking good. And they would have different, the turtle heads. So they would have two different heads, one for fighting scenes, one for talking scenes, because they'll be so heavy. There's all this machinery in the head uh, to move need, all the and things. And non-talking, you'd take all the Yeah, so it's just for fighting out. scenes. I'd yeah. take that off and put the easier one on. Yeah. But they'll be in these things be nice. all day. These things, are they're fucking hot. I guess they could move pretty well because they were actually fighting. It was apparently torture. They would lose five pounds in sweat, like, very quickly. The suits would get heavier as well with that sweat. Mm. And so it just became worse and worse and worse. I get why he was always angry then. Yeah. 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 Uh, Call back to Showdown Little Tokyo. Old mate. Yeah, Toshishiro Obata, which I do have to... um, What's the corrections? I think in that episode I said he was the shredder. He was not. He's not the shredder. He's, no, he's just the sort of. Yeah, yeah, joy yeah. Thing. But I, I didn't look as much into him with um, Showdown Little Tokyo because I was so taken by Carrie Tagawa. But Toshishiro Obata, he's the real Are deal. You saying apparently. his name right? Robata, like the what, the food you get, is like Japanese grill. It's Obata. Oh, he said Robata. <laughs> I love Robata. <laughs> he's an actual martial artist. I suspected so. Yeah, in real life, he created his own style of Japanese swordsmanship the called cross, the Shinkendo. Yes, he's a big hit at troughs. <laughs> <laughs> he is trough man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those of our listeners that are abroad, he calls it Shinkendo, though. Should we tell people what trough man is? I think Aussies know, don't they? That's yeah, right. tell our international listeners. To our international listeners, trough man was a man. <laughs> I think he died of hepatitis alphabet. <laughs> Probably. But he was infamous in the, I think it was like early 90s, before my time at the clubs, up and down uh, Oxford Street. It's like an urban legend, I guess. He's a th- he was definitely a thing. He was definitely, really. Yeah, 100%. I remember one or two people telling me they saw him. And he would basically go into the the bar- the men's bathroom at like busy nightclubs um, and lay in the uh, urinal trough. So we had like, a multi-person urinal trough. He would lay in there and just enjoy the fruits of everyone's urine. What's the rest of his night look like? How do you get home? Trough man. <laughs> trough boy. Trough boy, trough so man. Hectic. So this was not that. That was not Toshishiro. Um, he invented his own style of Japanese swordsmanship called Shinkendo. Mm. It's now being taught in 90 dojos around the world. Ooh. So that's pretty cool. It's very cool. It's very cool. He looks legit. I'm yeah, he does, he doesn't he? He's got a good moustache. Yeah. That's what you mean. Uh, uh, pretty much. Exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a good look. He does, he's not wearing the cool suits from Showdown, though, but yeah. he does wear some pretty cool outfits. Um, but <laughs> other than that, I think, like, in terms of the movie itself, how, how do you think it holds up? Um, it didn't hold up too well for me. I think. Yeah. I don't know where Turtle Mania is at. I know kids still like it. They're obviously still making movies. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the cartoons are like now. Yeah, that's a good point. So I'm in a similar place. I think I probably liked it more than you. I think so. It sounds like it. Yeah, but I, I, I think I have to admit it's probably mostly nostalgia. But I think I like the idea of this kind of movie done well, though. And mm-hmm. I have seen the newer Turtle movies, so I'm also comparing it to that. Yeah, okay. Which I'm pretty sure you would probably hate. <laughs> yeah, okay. So 
in some ways this is better than those. In some ways it's not. But I like the idea of this movie just done better. I would really love to see that movie. In terms of legacy, um, to your point, there has been a lot since then that's happened in the turtle world. So there's so obviously we we've already talked about the comic, then the cartoon, then the movie. But then also in 1990 there was the Coming Out of Their Shells tour, which was a music show tour that they did. That you'd go and watch them like the Wiggles. They um, nice. I'd be up for that. Live on stage for the first time. Then Ninja Turtles 2 came out. That's the one with Vanilla Ice. Yes. Go, Ninja. Go, Ninja. Go. Yeah. And then there's Turtles 3. They, they just get worse and worse. In 97, Saban Entertainment um, got their hands on TV rights, live action TV rights. Saban sounds familiar. That's because they're the Power Rangers people. They didn't, but I know the Power Rangers. Yeah. And so it was very Power Rangers in style interesting and they actually did a crossover <laughs> good <laughs> all right all right good job thanks we owe you one leonardo <laughs> Raphael. so the mutant ninja turtles are for real yeah <laughs> hey we couldn't believe they were really power rangers either pretty trippy as for me mwah, i never doubted your existence for a minute miss yellow ranger but uh, so that shit is fucking weird. But then there was a new animated movie called TMNT in 2007, which I, re- I think I vaguely remember seeing come out. I think it might be good. It's computer animated, though, so it doesn't have, like, I want to see the real world with these guys, but it had Lawrence Fishburne in it. Oh. And Patrick Stewart. Nolan North, who you don't know, but you do, because he's the voice of the guy in Uncharted. The main guy? Yeah. So you know the voice. He's got a great voice. I played that. <laughs> yeah, he did. Gamer Greg. Gamer Greg played that. Gamer um, Greg, yeah. <laughs> Greg, he emerges and, every now and then. Yeah. Plus a year. <laughs> Plus a year. <laughs> Tops. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gellar and Chris Evans. And then in a similar style, it became a computer animated series on TV. And then Nickelodeon bought the rights to the whole fucking thing now. Except for okay. the comics. Except for Surprised the comics. that didn't happen earlier. Yeah. So Nickelodeon, so the movies are like Viacom now. The TV, there's a TV series. So all that shit has happened. I mean, I haven't watched any of them, so I can't really judge, I guess. But oh, I've seen the movies. I don't, I don't love them. Um, so all in all, what's your verdict? Is it worth a rewatch? Uh, mate, I think it's best left in the past. Wow, that's big. Yeah. That's the first one you've had. Is it? Oh, Billy Madison. I loved it when I was young. I just, uh, I enjoyed the rewatch. I would say rewatch, but only for nostalgia. Yeah, well, there you go. Probably not the most buoyant of uh, childhood rewatches. Well, hang on. No, I don't want to undercook it there because I do. I enjoyed it, and I still have fun feelings. For me, what? <laughs> for you, I have fun feelings for you. No, not so buoyant. <laughs> no, yeah, for, me. for you, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're split on this one. We're split on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I agree with you, like, in theory, on paper, I agree with you. But there's something, some, there's a level of je ne sais quoi. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you said that because I never know how to say that. Yeah, I had something about it that's still, I like what it's attempting maybe. Maybe that's what it is. I think I, now learning the backstory too, I think I like what they're tr- shooting for. Uh, and while I, they don't get there. I agree. I agree. This, I didn't hate it. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong. No, I get you. You know what it is? I think I like movies because there's a lot of movies I like that are shit movies. There are a lot of movies I like that don't succeed, but I like that they're trying something and it doesn't all stick. I think this is one of those movies. Like there's movies like Prometheus or whatever where it's like it's not a good movie, but there's ideas in there and different things in there that I'm like, I like that they tried to do something mm, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get sucked into the, oh, I like that they're trying to do, I see what they're trying to do. Maybe they didn't quite get it. But I like that they're trying to do something because these days there's not much new shit. Yeah. Know? Maybe for me it's that it was such a significant film then. You're seeing the gap that I'm now. Like, Ooh, yeah. Oh, MVP. MVP. Oh, crap. Raphael, obviously. What's the sigh? I just give it to the I give it to the men in the suits. Yeah, that's respect. 
Yeah. Yeah, I gotta do the same. I had a few question marks. I had Casey Jones in there too. I thought he was he had fun yeah, with it. I mean if he's getting the best performance we're, <laughs> we're <struggling laughs> yeah, That's true. What are we doing next week? Next week we are looking at nineteen the year was nineteen ninety four. Small movie called Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Was it the biggest movie of the year? No. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be interesting. Yeah. Definitely a polarizing. You'll have to wait so till we'll next year to find next that. week to find out. Yeah, I guess that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye.